0: Everyone, and welcome to this week's On the Spot. I'm Zach Strickland here with uh, our recluse,
1: uh, JP Hampstead. <laughs> yes, I've reemerged from my uh, domicile for the first time in a week. Once again, uh, the lights are too bright, sounds are too loud, people's faces look strange. Chattanooga's is a ghost town. Other than that, I'm
0: doing fine. Yeah, How are yeah. You? No, it's been great. I've been coming into the post-apocalyptic Chattanooga yeah. office here for the last several days, several weeks. Uh, you know, keeping the fort down. But you know, something that we've continued to see in the freight market uh, is these declining volumes. Right. We're seeing volumes really fall off a cliff, about eight percent down week over week. Uh, and then we 're down you know to six point eight two percent on the tender rejection index, which again we were at about twelve to thirteen percent this time last week. so capacity's loosening volumes are dropping significantly. What are you hearing out in the world man?
1: Um, you know reefer volumes are also uh, dropping rapidly, although they're that 's more defensive and and it sort of had a higher peak. Um, and may reset, you know, positive year-on-year year without going negative. Um, remember that uh, on a year-over-year basis, reefer volumes peaked at 85% up year-over-year. Which was late March, correct? Right, yeah. and now they're down to about 17% up year-over-year. And we're still in early
0: April, so that, that retraction has been pretty fast, but, even though we're still up year-over-year.
1: And we still, you know, produce season is still a thing. Um Demand for beverages and hydration mm-hmm. is still going to spike. Um, when you think about cities like you know Phoenix, Dallas, Houston, Atlanta, Miami that get hot, start getting hot this time of year. You start seeing those average daily temps get to the 80s. Well, Florida has been uh, abnormally hot uh, yeah. the past month or so. We had
0: a we already had the strawberry harvest down there. Yep. Uh, but there's you know it's been extremely hot, but also extremely dry in Florida. So. You know, produce season down there starts really going here in this next month or so.
1: Yeah, so that that will you know prop up some kinds of food and beverage volumes and uh, and, in refrigerated freight. Um, But the problem is that the carriers that haul that are not going to be able to enjoy the rate spikes that they probably would have you know in prior years, simply because. Capacity is going to be abundant in all modes. Um, people are going to be competing for freight. Um, we think that sort of a general loose capacity environment are, is going to mute. There will still be certain, sort, sort of like a local and temporary volatility around, you know, things like harvests and, and different things like that. But um, the general availability of, of refrigerated equipment should kind of tamp down any any Craziness in the rates. Now let's let's talk about this for a minute.
0: Uh, so traditionally, we have you know the rate spike for produce season in isolated areas of the country, California, Florida, uh, along the border there, Mexico, at different times of the year. And what we normally see is a pretty significant jump in rates, spot rates specifically. A lot of this freight moves on the spot market; not a lot of it's contracted because of the seasonality factor of it. So, what we're it, generally those rates are dependent on the general conditions of the market however so if the market itself is loose that should you know mm-hmm. flatten the curve if you will of the in a tight market that's fight.
1: already sensitive any kind of incremental you know volume tick up is mm-hmm. going to have an outsized effect on the rates right. but the reverse is true in a very loose market um, it's it's you know you're like you're like pushing a string in, in some way. You're you're it's it's so loose that it can the market can absorb um, the volume right. that's happening. Yeah,
0: it's going to basically have in, increased sensitivity to it when things are tight, and then it's going to also pull it down a little bit more significantly when things are loose. Now, something that I'm not clear of and not sure about is you know with volumes dropping on all this non-food and beverage uh, commodity. We haven't really seen this type of environment before where we see such a disproportionate amount of freight within a certain niche. You know what mm. I'm saying? So as people are generally food and beverage goes into consumer centric cities, they go into Atlanta's, the megalopolis, Chicago, Boston, Wherever people are, where all the people live. The problem is, is that all the production centers out of those markets are now shut down. Uh, do you think that there's going to be any, you know, kind of correction from that? Do you think the capacity may actually tighten a little bit because of this? Yeah,
1: we've been talking about, I mean, that is one, an interesting theory is that um, tender rejections will not retest the lows we saw in 2019 simply because the the lopsidedness of the available freight is preventing um, carriers from really operating in a network right. or, or, or efficiently allocating capacity to where it needs to be. Um, when it needs to be there. And so you know the, the kind of this the sort of unusual and unprecedented and artificial lumpiness of the freight mixture that's available, um, you know could could keep rejections higher. It's, it's it's hard to say. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know the answer to the question, but it was it's it's something that I've been toying around with and really watching for. Uh, you know as we're watching these, certainly for for months, you know we've seen, I've heard anecdotes of both asset-based carriers and non-asset 3PLs uh, bidding aggressively. And by that, I mean um, lowering contracted rates to, in order to secure volumes in anticipation right. of this. Um, we've also seen um, you know, uh, private fleets doing some work to reallocate capacity from customers that may be shut down to... You know, for example, the grocery business that that needed a lot of help um, a few weeks ago. So, you know, they are trying to, ma- you know, do their job and match capacity to freight. I just don't know, um, you know, on a large scale whether you know interjections stay above five percent or not. Yeah. I, it looks like I mean they're they're going down rapidly.
0: They're going down extremely fast. Six point three percent about now. Uh, and that's again about five, six, well, 600 basis points off of last week. Um, right now, so it looks like they will probably progress through that five percent barrier at least for a period of time. Now, what I think might be an interesting topic to discuss here in the future, I know a lot of the carriers have discussed very defensive positions, a lot of brokers have, you know, really tried to press those rates down as well on the carrier side. Uh, knowing that volumes are going to slide uh, throughout the month and probably for the near future. And, you know, where that bottom is, I don't know. Uh, me and Craig Fuller no one, were, no
1: one knows. I mean, if you look at... I mean, one thing to just look at would be uh, investment banks, GDP forecasts, which are all over the place.
0: Yeah, they don't know either. And and so, you know, Craig and I were discussing this the other day. He, he thinks the bottom of the OTVI will be somewhere around seventy four, seventy five hundred. 7,500 again, this is all dependent on how long we're shut down. (laughs) Uh, I think that, you know, we'll start to reopen things by mid to late May, uh, which I think puts us at potentially seeing OTVI values as low as 7,000, which would be 30% lower than a March uh, 2018 level, which is is disastrous. Or 30% lower than we saw in early March (laughs) of this year. It's not great, but again, I don't know these no, things.
1: I know it's, it's more than not great. it's, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's, it's disastrous. Yeah. Uh, so that being said, again, these these so these networks that carriers are dependent on. You know, you have a lot of these small carriers that don't have the disparity of shippers that a larger carrier does. So they have less diversity in their portfolio of uh, freight that they're shipping. They're going into a market that they used to have ten loads a day coming out of. Now there's only one. How do they get back to where they were coming from? Again, these are going to be very, you know, they're going to have like five or six lanes. They take
1: whatever they can get. Do they end up in a different destination? Yeah.
0: And they end up bouncing around. So I think that over time, we're going to see capacity really take a big hit here. And I think as a former pricing guy, I would be trying to get as much, you know, rate out of the market as it could bear with the argument saying, hey, uh, shipper, do you want me to be in business? You know, to be able to handle your freight here in the next uh, several months, because if we're talking, you know, significant drops in volume, my network's out of balance. You don't have as much freight you're shipping, but neither does anybody else. There is an argument to be had for saying I'm going to have to travel 50 percent further for each delivery. Yeah. On non-revenue side. Carriers cannot operate that way. Again, you're talking about carriers that are operating in the 90s on a good year. Now they're going to have to consider. Right. So you're going to take rate decreases, and you're also going to operate less efficiently. At some point, there's going to have to be a healthy balance. We're watching, you know, carriers, the oceanic carriers. Uh, they're taking rate increases because they're managing capacity on their own. You know, they're they're obviously in an alliance. Uh, what are you seeing out there? We're.
1: Yeah, we're, we're honestly we're still seeing a lot of voided sailings uh, now. You know, from Europe to the East Coast as well as on the Trans-Pacific. So, um, I think yesterday there was a big batch of voided sailings for the next five weeks, um, coming from uh, coming from ports like Rotterdam and Antwerp and pretty much all the ports in the, in, the, in Europe to places like uh, New York, Savannah, and Charleston. So. You know that's starting to hit um you know i don't know when Europe turns back on it, 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 it seems like they're a little bit further ahead of us than we are, maybe by a couple weeks right um but what what's what's the the thing that i'm um, you know and we also see avoided sailings I should say you know from places like the Indian subcontinent to the middle east or or Asia to the middle east Asia to the Indian subcontinent um And, uh, you know, I I just don't know where all that capacity is going. I think they're just docked. You just think the ships are just like... They're just docked. We we can actually
0: see that in sonar. We can see these ships literally just parked around uh, Singapore. You know, a lot of them were trying to use this time to retrofit uh, the scrubbers scrubbers and stuff. Uh, at least in the early phases of this. Uh, Before the manufacturing yeah, facilities, subscribers right. got shut down. And, and now that we're seeing this demand side contraction on our end, you know, as the United States and other right. countries are shutting down and we're seeing cancellations of orders and stuff like that from the retail side throughout the summer, uh, we have seen some import volumes go up a little bit. But I do find it fascinating that these maritime carriers control their capacity. And I think that's something that you know obviously there's less of them and they have alliances right. you know that can control those rates a lot better than the domestic trucking market but i do think that the the strategy is sound in the way that hey if we don't want to have this 2009 type disastrous year where we're going to have to limit a lot of ongoing capacity again this right. is actually you know beneficial to shippers in the future if they don't just Drop their transportation spend all the way to the floor. I mean, I know they don't think about it in that well, term. They're but,
1: worried about their own revenues. And as well. that makes total sense.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but in the long term, if we do see a significant capacity contra- contraction on the domestic carrier side, it's going to hurt the carriers. And then eventually, it's going to hurt the shippers, it's right? hurt the shippers yeah. here in a year when, you know, say that the volumes start to pick back up. And again, we don't know what it looks like. Uh, you know, I personally think it'll be a pretty slow crawl back up. Uh, what do you yeah. think about
1: that? Um, no, that's that's our working thesis yeah. just because, you know, with so many different players in the supply chain and with how collaborative moving goods has to be and is, mm-hmm. um, we just think that it's not going to be like, you know, everyone shows back up to work at 8 a.m. on Monday right. and turns everything back on and it just starts yeah, flowing at 100% capacity. Like Like suppliers, producers, transportation companies, warehouse operators, uh, you know, all of those sort of people are going to um, be shut down and then come back online to varying degrees at varying uh, timelines. Right. So it, it has to, it's going to be slow and the supply chain is going to kind of move at the speed of the weakest link.
0: Yeah. And we've heard no real plan or strategic plan around, you know, allowing people to come back online. You know, obviously a lot of people are working from home right now, but the people that manufacture the goods, uh, you know, that, that work out in the world, that actually produce the stuff that goes on trucks... Uh, they're largely at home, you know, furloughed, laid off, et cetera. Another six point six million people unemployed this week. Uh, right. So it, it's it's not going to. You just can't simply flip the switch and turn that back on with anything.
1: No, there there were some some interesting data yeah. data <laughs> coming out of Wuhan um, recently. Some some anecdotes I saw reported in Bloomberg, basically saying that new car sales and Wuhan are back up to pre-virus levels, suggesting that consumers have jumped back in, into spending and you know are trying to do their part to prop up the economy. So you know take that with a grain of salt. It's Chinese data, so it's yeah. <laughs> are you saying it's, that you
0: don't trust the Chinese data?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it. it all it really tells you is sort of like the, the narrative that, yeah I mean, th- th- these were American reporters talking to car dealerships. It wasn't like this wasn't filtered through, you know, a government report. Right. But still, I mean, I think I think if that's true or to the extent it's true, it implies that um, consume, there will be pent up demand um, from everyone staying at home, not being able to do the things they want to do. And people may spend um operationally on the supply chain side, you know, getting back to work and making things uh, move efficiently is a whole other kettle of fish, right? Well, I guess
0: we're still shut down for the time being. Uh, We still don't have a definitive plan in place just yet, so it'll probably be at least a few more weeks before things get back going here. I expect
1: next week will be more the same.
0: Uh, Well, thanks as always, JP, for joining me this week, and stay tuned to FreightWaves.com or FreightWaves TV for additional insights on what's happening in the freight market. Have a good weekend.